Welcome back to another edition of the City That Never Sleeps show. I'm your host, Brandon Pockers, joined as always by my co-host, Austin Kane. Austin, how are we doing tonight? How are we do- doing great? Well, we are, uh, we are dealing with some uh, technical difficulties on Austin's end right now. Um, we're going to try and get those worked out as soon as possible. But in the meantime, you know, going to go through another very exciting week of New York sports. We got the Jets and Giants winning once again. We got the Yankees being bounced in four games, clean sweep from the ALCS. And we got the, the Rangers, the Islanders, the Knicks, the Nets, all getting their seasons underway. And we're going to give that all to you guys today. So we're going to hop right in and start with the Jets, who are back on back on the uh, winning path once again. They uh, they won by a score of 16 to 9 this past week. Um, honestly, very defense heavy game. Very defense heavy game. Um, this is a team that you know has relied heavily on their run game, their defense, and it's something that you know they're they're okay winning that grimy slop fest type of game. So Austin, you know, watching and hearing about this Jets game. What did you think when you watched it this uh, this past week? Uh, yeah, it was bad to do this. And I mean, we saw as much as people did not look as bad. The defense did a job to and made play. Yeah, I agree. The um, you know, Jets defense played played really well. Um, this is a team that you know was obviously the Broncos were down Russell Wilson. They were down, you know, their their quarterback that usually helms the offense. Jets were facing off against Brett Rippon. They were playing a backup type quarterback that doesn't really always, you know, have the best performances, but. You know, Rippin Rippin moved the ball decently, and even in that case, the Jets still shunned down. And once again, Sauce Gardner, we talked about it last week. It we I personally said on the show I felt that he was a top ten cornerback in the NFL already. And this week, going up against the likes of Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, he only allowed four catches for sixteen yards total. This is a guy that consistently week after week, whether it's been Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, Sutton, George Pickens, has faced off against the best these teams have had to offer and has shut them down. And that's not even throwing DJ Reed into the equation, who also had a great game. He had an 86.1 coverage grade, according to PFF. And these two corners, it's not like Reed's older. Reed's 25, Gardner is 22. This has potential to be the best cornerback duo in the NFL already. That's not even including Michael Carter II in the slot. So, Austin, we talked a little bit about this pre-show. What did you think about the Jets' corner duo, and do you think they're already at the level of being considered one of the best in the NFL? I mean, they're 
or blind creek, uh, no matter who they face, some top threat, and just, and I mean, yeah, they're up into the top tier here, cornerback doing, I would still there had the bone, but they're soon to be there, so both young, two young, and Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, looking at not just the corners, but LaMarcus Joyner had another interception. After a really slow start to the year, he is someone that has picked it up. He's played a lot better alongside Jordan Whitehead. C.J. Mosley looked great at the linebacker position. You know, continued to show why he's worth the money the Jets paid him, why he is still one of the better linebackers in the NFL. And that's not to mention the defensive line as well. You know, they didn't have the biggest game in the world. They didn't have the biggest production as opposed to last week. But Quinn Williams was a dominant force in the run game. He helped shut down Denver's rushing attack. Carl Lawson, you know, he got some pressures. Bryce Huff, once again, when he's on the field for these pass rushing reps, he's getting after the quarterback. He's looking good when he's doing it. So this is something that has been consistent all year for the Jets. This is something that they've done a very good job with. And, you know, defense has been carrying them. Now to flip to the offensive side, we got a comment from Brian Daly. What's up, fellas? Big win for the Jets, but they suffered a huge loss. I wouldn't say just a huge loss, but multiple huge losses in the fact that on offense, this is a team that lost – Brees Hall, and they also lost Michael Carter, or not Michael Carter, Elijah Vera Tucker. Two of, if not their best two offensive players, and two guys that have been making a huge, huge, huge impact when they've been on the field this year. Starting off with Hall, he had another huge 60-plus yard touchdown run, and then unfortunately fell victim to an ACL injury. We then have... Elijah Vera Tucker, who, you know, has been the most versatile Jets offensive lineman, going from left guard to right guard, back to right tackle, you know, bouncing all over the place and being above average at each position he's played at. So I personally felt like these were huge blows to the Jets. Austin, did you feel similar in that regard? Uh, uh, I mean... You've heard calling him a weapon, guys, a weapon. Uh, guard to tackle and play both positions very well. And then with Brees Hall, he's been like the lightning effect of this offense. Just breaks out every big run, every big catch. And he set them up in the really good positions this year, which has allowed them to score touchdowns. And he's been doing a lot of work. So I'm excited to see how they replace that. Yeah, and we'll we'll get to that in a little bit because the Jets did make a move to try and, you know, replace and keep some of that production up. The biggest thing on offense this past week, though, revolves around Zach Wilson. You know, a lot of discourse surrounding the young Jets quarterback about, oh, he didn't look great. You know, he didn't play well. He didn't do this right. He didn't do that right. 
you know, just looking at the stats from this past week where they won 16-9, Wilson only threw for 121 yards. So, once again, it's another game for the quarterback that he's under 200. He also looks skittish in the pocket, just jumping, spinning around, trying to avoid pressure, almost creating turnover-worthy plays that, if they did become turnovers, would have completely flipped the game on its head. You know, I, 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 my observation was I didn't think he looked good. I didn't think he had a good game. I thought he was very skittish, wasn't getting the ball out on time. But also remember, and being devil, a bit of a devil's advocate here, the Denver Broncos defense has been legit all season. This is a Denver defense that is the only reason that they've won games. The Denver offense has been non-existent. It's the defense has kept them in games and has won them games. So, I look, I am by no means out on Zach Wilson. This is a kid that hasn't even really played a full NFL season yet. He's still developing. He's still learning. But there are signs there that you, you really don't want to see. You really don't want to see him continuously looking skittish in the pocket, looking, you know, rattled under pressure. So... I'll toss back to you, Austin. What are you? What are your thoughts on Zach Wilson right now? Yeah, I mean, besides yourself, like he's almost creating turnover plays that could change the game. We saw in one play where it was, it was called back, but he just kind of like was getting sacked and threw the ball up, and then the Broncos picked up, ran it, and came back. He was, he was down, but it's just like plays like that that he can't be making and just bad throws. The offense, like I said before, just did, did not look very great this this uh, this week. Seven for thirteen, seven out of thirteen drives they had with three outs, which is not good. You don't want to see that. You want to see your team moving the ball up and down the field. But he he was under a lot of pressure this week. We have to admit that. And like you said, the Broncos defense—they're not a push away defense. A team that guys are offenses are just going to walk all over. They're a good defense. Uh, I mean, he did enough to put them in position to get the field goals. And I mean, they got the one long run touchdown. So but he did enough to win the game. But you do want to see more out of your quarterback and you hope to be here for the next however many years and be your franchise guy. Yeah, exactly. You know, Wilson, he, look, he's shown a lot of good signs this year. I mean, namely the fourth quarter slash second half of the Steelers game. The, um, the dri- certain drives in the Miami game, the last really drive and a half of the Green Bay game. Like, he's had his moments. But especially with Brees Hall and AVT going down, the major impact, I feel like, on those injuries is that Zach Wilson is going to need to step up. He is going to need to play better. He's going to need to not look as skittish in the pocket. And he's going to have to look more and more like a guy that can take the pressure on his shoulders, that can, you know, lead this football team when the team needs to count on him. That's where I feel like this Jets team is at. They are in a very good spot. Five and two is a spot no one thought this team would be at, and it's a spot that I feel like can get even better. You know, looking at some other stats, in terms of DVOA, the Jets are 21st in the league. So not bottom tier, but also not top tier. And they're 10th in defensive DVOA. 
So this is a team that is very talented. That's not even the touch on special teams with Brandon Mann looking like an above average punter after week week one where he didn't. And then Greg Zerline seemingly solving the Jets kicking issues. Knock on wood there because you, you never know how those things go. But, you know, up to these points, basically two-thirds of the team have been above average and have been extremely talented. So if the Jets can get that above-average quarterback play, you know, how, they could they can go pretty far. And not even above-average, league-average. They're, they're not really getting that yet. So I guess I'll toss to you before we take our, our outlook beyond this week. What do the Jets need to do, in your opinion, on offense – to continue to improve and not stay in the same spot that they've been at? Well, they're going to have to definitely recreate the production loss that they're going to lose from Brees Hall because that's been a key piece of their success this season. Uh, definitely get Michael Carter back involved some more. We saw him rise to the occasion this week. He played pretty good. Uh, just recreating that and getting Wilson just in a rhythm early outside and going along and to open up the field and eventually get some deeper passes. We know Wilson has that arm strength. I know fans are just begging to see it. And I think they'll eventually get there. They're going to get there eventually for sure. They have to. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, from my standpoint, especially with Corey Davis, another injury the Jets suffered, sprained MCL, not season-ending, but also what's going to have an impact. You know, you got to get Garrett Wilson involved a little bit more. And now we got to touch on, you know, fun, fun part, Elijah Moore. And if you guys noticed, uh, Austin will be right back. Uh, we're having some mic difficulties on his end. Uh, he'll be back in as soon as possible. So I'll just take over for a little bit here. You know, the whole Elijah Moore situation is something that, is very avoidable in my eyes. If if there's the proper, you know, maturity, the proper everything on, on that side of things. You know, Austin's back here. Austin, we're j- I'm just talking about the Elijah Moore situation in terms of, you know, like the Jets' offense beginning to improve. Elijah Moore was and is going to be a big part of this Jets' offense if he wants to be. This is a guy that the Jets, one, spent a lot high draft capital on, and two, have invested heavily in because he's been involved in the offense the whole year. Targets or not, he's been on the field. He's been running routes. And it's the NFL. These opportunities are going to pop up. These opportunities are going to be there for him. So when it comes to that, when your team at the time is 4-2, and two, now 5-2, and two, looks like one of the better upstart teams in the entire AFC and has an outside shot of challenging for the division, being selfish and requesting a trade because you're not getting the ball thrown to you is not what it is not what you need as a team. It really isn't. And it just, you know, it sucks to see because he's a guy that, especially last week, would have been needed. Instead, you have Jeff Smith running a ton of routes. So it's like, I'm not going to blow up and be like, you know, oh, get him off the team. Like, 
he doesn't deserve to be here. You know, we're maybe like another week or two of that stuff happening from reaching that point. But right now, he's a guy that needs the Jets, and quite frankly, the Jets need him. So to really bring it back full circle, Jets probably need to rely on their receivers, their tight ends a little bit more. And tying into what I alluded to, getting the run game still moving. They traded for James Robinson. You know, in my eyes, a really good trade. Not saying he's going to replicate Brees Hall's production, but he forms a nice tandem with Michael Carter, a bit of thunder and lightning. And then even going forward with him being a restricted free agent, you now have the potential for a three-headed monster of Robinson, Carter, and Brees Hall. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if those guys going to be huge if they can retain him next year. Or, like I said, well, it's restricted. That's great. I like a lot. I told you it was going to happen. It's a win that move. Something like fans definitely would like to say. But, yeah, they just have to replicate what they already have with Brees and Michael Carter. Yeah, exactly. And moving on to New England, you know, this is a Patriots team that lost on Monday Night Football to the Chicago Bears. And that that was something, at least for me, where I saw that game and I was shocked. You know, losing by a score of 33 to 14 is not something you expect to see from a team like New England, especially who won their their few recent games. The Jets' defense, and I said this last week, I actually was a point off in either direction with my score prediction. I said 17-10. The game ended up being 16-9. You know, Bill Belichick's notoriously known for making things hard for, for young quarterbacks. We saw it last year with Zach Wilson. I think if the Jets can get their running game going and have Wilson – get into a rhythm and make some easy throws. I think the Jets defense once again shuts down New England. You know, if Chicago's defense can do it, and Chicago does have some nice talent, the Jets defense definitely can. And especially flipping back to last year when the Patriots hung a 55 spot on the Jets in their own building, especially looking back to last year when – the Patriots ran up the score. If you think the Jets, with their biggest home game in probably five, maybe even six years this weekend, with them facing New England, with the potential to go to 6-2, and two, setting up a matchup with Buffalo, that if they win that game, which, quite frankly, is a bit of a long shot at the moment, to potentially give them the lead in the division, if you think that Robert Salonco aren't going to have the Jets right or roll in this game, I, I don't know what to tell you. It, it's just – it's the honest truth. Like, this is a game, in my eyes, especially last week, where the Jets showed you that they can win in different ways. I think it's a game the Jets win. I really do. And I, you, and I haven't been able to say that when they've played the Patriots in the past two, three, four years. But I really do feel like the Jets can go out and win this game. Once again, it's the same type of formula as last week. Get enough out of your offense, rely on the defense, rely on the run game. Not as much as you would with Brees Hall because Brees Hall isn't there now, but use that defense to your advantage, take advantage as an offense, and get as many points as you can. That's how you win the game. 
I say the Jets win this by a score of 24-17 this Sunday. Austin, how are we feeling about this game? Yeah, Wick, uh, his his mic's been a little messed up. We're we're still trying to work on this, on the uh, on the back end here. Um, but yeah, as Austin said, you know this is a game that you know the the Jet the Jets should win, and this is a game where you know the team should have you know a, a good shot at taking a victory. Um, moving on to. The next topic of discussion, as you guys can see with the question of the day, um, the Giants will win over nine games. Agree or disagree? We got earlier in the in the show, we got Brian in the chat saying, agree to the poll. Giants playing good ball right now. Hard, hard to see them fall that much apart that they won't win three more games. We also got Greg in the chat saying, I agree to the poll. They're scrappy. Um, yeah, you know. Moving ahead to the Giants, this is a team that won once again. They went on the road to Jacksonville, and they beat the Jaguars by a score of 23-17. Uh, welcoming Austin back into the chat. Hopefully his mic is all good. It is not. That's great. Um, you, you still you, you still working on it here? Like, what, what, what are we doing? Okay. So, yeah, the the Giants like they they won this by a score of twenty three seventeen. If we if we go in look at some of the stats here, we got Daniel Jones who not only threw for over two hundred yards in this game, he actually went for two hundred two yards, going nineteen and twenty with a touchdown. He also added hundred seven yards and a touchdown on the ground. So this Brian Dayball offense has not only been productive for Saquon Barkley, which we'll get to in a minute, but it's also the fact that, you know, it's helping Daniel Jones. Like Dayball played a huge part in developing Josh Allen, and he also is playing a part in developing Daniel Jones. He's someone that, has truly began to, you know, show signs that, yeah, he can lead a bit of an offense. He can lead a team down the field. He can be that game manager type. And, yeah, the Giants have been good with him. And this is a team that is lacking receivers as well. This is a team that is lacking 
that number one threat. They signed Kenny Galladay for a huge contract. Kenny Galladay is nowhere to be found. They drafted Kadarius Toney in the first round. He's nowhere to be found. They have Wandale Robinson, Darius Slayton, Richie James. You know, Wandale should be pretty good, but he's a rookie. He's played in his first first two games. Darius Slayton is a guy that the Giants didn't even really want to keep. So... The fact that Daniel Jones and the Giants are doing this, the fact that they're 6-1, and one, you know, looking at this poll, I really do think that they went over nine games. Because if we look at their schedule coming up, and this is, I feel like, the most important thing in terms of this question. The next four games for this team are the Seahawks, the Texans, and the Lions. Considering the way the Giants have played this year and considering the way that they've looked in their recent games, can you know, they beat Green Bay and we'll we'll get to Green Bay later in the show. They're maybe not as good as we thought. But they also beat Baltimore. You know, it's a team that they 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 have a shot. They have a shot to go out and win these next 3 games and set themselves up for a chance at competing for the NFC East title. And obviously that's going to be hard. You know, this is a team that after those three games, they still have Dallas. They have the Eagles twice. They have the commanders twice. They still have Minnesota. You know, these, those games after they potentially get up to the nine are going to prove how good this team actually is. You know, we got Wick in the comments saying, I don't really know what to think of both New York teams. They both seem to be improving. And, you know, that's that's a very good point. You know, five, six and one, five and two, both New York teams on the upswing. Do we really know how, quote unquote, good they are yet? No, but we both know, but we know that they both are for real. They both have talent. They're both being coached well. And I feel like that's the most important thing. You know, these teams are are on the upswing. As New York sports fans, you're finally not dealing with the basement-dwelling football teams. You're not dealing with, hey, let's fire up the mock drafts to see what quarterback we're drafting at number two or number one overall this year after we did that two years ago. Like, this is – it's very good news. It's very good news for – the Giants, the Jets, and just New York football in general. You know, look and shifting to the next part of the conversation. You know, Saquon Barkley. If it wasn't obvious enough, he's very similar to how Brees Hall was. The engine that powers the Giants offense. He's the guy that the entire offense runs through. You know, in this past game against Jacksonville, Barkley had 110 yards on the ground while also adding 25 receiving yards. He does it all. He's the guy that they rely on to take the pressure off of Jones. And, you know, we've seen a Giants offense without Barkley. It's not as explosive. It's not as talented. And the fact that they can rely on him to carry the rock as much as they have. The fact they can rely on him in the passing game, take attention away from other players. It's so important 
that they're able to do that. All right. For, for a third time, we got Austin here. Austin. Third, third time's hey! charm. There on? we go. The mic's back. We love to see it. Austin, I was, I was going on my little tangent about the Giants here, talking about Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, about how Saquon's the engine that powers this team, how, you know, the Giants should be able to win over nine games because they'll at least get the nine, and I think they can steal one from the – they can get two from the commanders, maybe steal one from Philly. You know, whatever one of those questions you want to take first, be my <laughs> guess. But uh, Yeah, I'll start with Daniel Jones. I mean, something I love about Daniel Jones and how he's grown as a player is his mobility. It's always been a key piece to his play. But now we're seeing it be a key piece to this offense. He was over 100 yards rushing this week, which is huge, especially when you have when you have uh, Saquon there to open that up as well, a little read option, some trickery. Once again, we see some more Brian Dable mastery this week, just keeping his team right in the game at all times. They looked sloppy at times. They were losing at times. But they're, they're such, such a gritty team. We saw them make that big fourth and one stop in, late in the game, which led to their – touchdown winning drive and then at the end of the game fourth and or at, just at the end of the game the last play from the Jaguars kept them out of the end zone by like half an inch uh it's just plays like that that get you wins and show you your gritty team uh and then to wrap that up over nine wins I think is definitely a possibility and will definitely happen they're already at six they have Seattle Texans and the Lions coming up those are three games they could be at nine wins right after those three and you steal a few division games, and look, you're in the hunt for the NFC East. You're, you're in the hunt right now. And if you steal a few division games, you could easily win the NFC East. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, we talk about the Giants offense, Brian Dable, you know, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, you know, even Wandale Robinson starting to pop. How about this late game Giants defense? I feel like they're always either causing a turnover or making a huge stop that swings the game in their direction. And I feel like that's a credit to Wink Martindale. That's a credit to Kayvon Thibodeau, Dexter Lawrence. You know, the scrappiness of this Giants defense where they got rid of their big names. They got rid of James Bradbury. They got rid of these guys that, you know, should be the most talented players on their, their defense. And they would help a lot. But even without those guys, this is a Giants defense that is being scrappy and that is helping them win a lot of games. We got Brian in the chat saying, no Barkley forces Giants to have to throw the ball. Exactly. It makes them one-dimensional. Without that engine of the offense, you know, you're, you're forced to do something you don't want. And that lines up directly with what we said about the Jets. You know, no Brees Hall. If the Jets would have sat on their hands, look, I love Michael Carter. I think he's an amazing running back. At his size and what he does – he cannot handle 20, 25 carries a game. That's why you go out and get a guy like James Robinson. So Michael Carter can still be his explosive self. That's why Barkley is so important to the Giants because he does everything. Yeah, having, having a guy like that, he becomes the keystone of your offense, which, I mean, he clearly has become. Without him, you said it, they become one-dimensional. They make Daniel Jones throw more than he has to. And then mistakes could possibly be made and you lose some football games that you've already won. Yeah, and what, like I said, Brian, once again, saying thanks for Brad Barry. You know, 
he's he, he's still a top tier corner. It's it's kind of been a win win for both teams if you really want to put it in in that matter. Yeah, I mean, you could. Bradbury's been a top corner this year, but things just didn't work out the way as planned in New York. That's just how it goes sometimes. Exactly. And, you know, looking ahead to this this uh, Giants-Seahawks game, I, I do think that the Giants should win this game, but, you know, the Seahawks have been scrappy. They've been an underrated team. And I want to take more of, like, a widespread look at this. Do the Giants, in your opinion, and once you give this answer, I'll, I'll give mine, do the Giants, in your opinion, have a real shot at coming for this NFC East title? Because, you know, Dallas is still legit. You know, they just got Dak Prescott back. They're, who knows? They might get back up and running. The Eagles are currently undefeated. So do the Giants have that potential to catch them for the division? Or is this something where, like I said, they're more of that wild card team? I mean, the, the Cowboys proved that they're going to be a good team once Dak fully gets going. I mean, the Eagles have proved that they're 6-0, and and it's hard to win football games, and they've done it each week. But the Giants have also proved that they're a gritty team, they're fighters, and they're winners. They're 6-1 and one right now. They're just a loss behind the Eagles with one extra game played. And they still get to play them two times. They still get to play the Cowboys two times. They're going to have their chances at this division, and it's all going to start now. It's got to keep winning games and staying in that race at the f- for first place. Exactly. Before we move on to my thoughts on the Giants, I want to remind you guys, All Camp is giving 20% off everything in their store, including hats and shirts, to all our subscribers. You know what that means. Make sure to like, subscribe, and get that merch. You know, don't, don't want to miss out on that. Also, Creative Window Design Center is serving New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Florida. They are a fully authorized Hunter Douglas dealer. Well, that's a lot of window treatments for those that are not uh, that do not know. Contact Jeff at 609-226-0391 for a free consultation. That brings us back to, you know, the main crux of the the question today. The Giants will win over nine games. And I personally think that they do. But I don't think they win the division because I don't see them overtaking Philly. Dallas, I do think they beat Dallas the second time they play. That is coming up in five weeks, you know, isn't isn't that far away. But it's just, I feel like the Eagles are just on a different level right now than the Giants. You know, they have a bit more stable quarterback play. They have a bit more talent on defense, a bit more talent on offense. You know, what happens when the Giants actually face legit skill position players, you know, Looking at their opponents, Tennessee, Carolina, Dallas, Chicago, Green Bay, Baltimore, Jacksonville. I mean, let's be honest here. As good as the Giants have looked, they haven't really faced that dominant number one yet. And I'm not saying that's going to be, oh, that's going to be the entire reason that they lose. But there is something to say that, you know, in week 
week uh, 12, when they're back facing Dallas, can they shut down C.D. Lamb? In week 14, when they're facing A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, can they shut him down? Terry McLaurin, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, Justin Jefferson. You know, these are these are teams that have legit number ones. And could that be an Achilles heel that maybe pops up? Sure, but I don't think that cripples the Giants against most opponents. But against that team they're trying to catch in the division, the Philadelphia Eagles, that is something that is going to be key. That's something that'd be key and important. And I personally don't think they overcome that. I think this Giants team is like a 12 and 5 type team that ends up winning the first wild card or the second wild card because of the type of schedule that they have and the fact that they can't catch the Eagles. That's where I fall with this Giants team. Yeah, I'd, I'd hate to take the same answer as you, but. I'm going to have to agree. I don't see him catching the, catching the Eagles. I mean, they could definitely be within a few games, one to three. It's just they're going to have to beat them twice probably to win this division, which I don't really see happening. And like you said, just, I do feel like they're on like a little higher tier. Uh, they'll definitely get over the nine-game win mark that we have set out, I think. But beating the Eagles twice is just going to be such a challenge that I don't think they'll be able to overcome, especially last week of the year, having to go into Philly. If that's like a divisional matchup uh, for the division, I mean, I just don't see it going their way. But what do I know? Any given Sunday. Any given Sunday. That's right. And you know what? That's a perfect transition into our around the NFL segment. You know, Austin, you're getting better at that transition thing, man. Great job. I'm working on it. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And we're going to start off the Around the NFL with our Fantasy Players of the Week. So, Austin, since your mic is finally working, (laughs) give your Fantasy Um, Players of the Week. Yeah, first, uh, Joe Burrow. He had over 500 all-purpose yards. um, 481 of those yards were throwing the ball, which is just crazy numbers to see. Uh, 20 rush yards. And he put up 47 fantasy points. I mean, if you had him playing that, as your quarterback this week, you probably didn't lose. And uh, just move. I'll do both mine real quick. Second, we got Aaron Jones. Put up 28 points, two receiving touchdowns on a whopping nine receptions. Uh, if you're in a PPR league, which I believe most are these days, as we continue to grow in the fantasy world, uh, those are huge numbers. Just having nine catches is just a lot, especially out of the backfield, and something you love to see. And, yeah, those are my two guys for the week. Brandon, who you got? Yeah, I'll peek behind the curtain. Uh, this first guy, I did this before I actually traded for him. Uh, just before we, I get into that, uh, Wick says, having Chase as a receiver is nice. I'd say it's more than nice. I say it's uh, very, very, very incredible. And that's not even mentioning Higgins and Boyd. Yeah, loaded offense. So. Very good for like I was saying, peek behind the curtain here. Um, I wrote this guy in as my first player of the week before I actually swung a giant trade in my and uh, Austin's home fantasy league. So now he is actually on my roster. I'm going with Kenneth Walker of the uh, of the Seattle Seahawks. You know, in a in a shocking victory over the Chargers. Although you know, it's getting to a point where I'm not even sure if T. 
teams beating the Chargers is shocking, and we'll get into that with our around the league. Walker at 23 carries for 168 yards and two touchdowns, averaging 7.3 yards per carry. Yeah, per carry, same thing. Like he he was incredible. He truly has just taken this Seattle Seahawks running back job and just no pun intended, ran with it. He has been incredible. He has been honestly one of the main reasons the Seahawks have been a surprise team this year. And going forward, for those of you listening that are in the fantasy, he's an RB1. He's a he's a top-tier RB1 that is going to continue to get the workload. You know, maybe they'll sprinkle in a little bit of the passing game work. You never know. But you know how much Pete Carroll Austin loves to run the ball. They're going to continue to feed this guy and feed this guy and feed this guy. And if he produces like this, the Seahawks are going to be a bit of a dark horse. Yeah, I mean, where they already stand, if they can get an electric piece out of the backfield like that, it's a huge help. Yeah, and my second guy, you know, second week in a row we're bringing him up, Juju Smith-Schuster, seven receptions, 124 yards, a touchdown. You know, people were calling this beginning of the year, and, you know, it took a little bit of a slow start, but Juju's back. He He's back to looking like, a really good NFL wide receiver and he's young. He has the talent to make it happen. And being in this chief system, you know, Mahomes said this before the year, he said that that the chiefs are going to spread the ball around. There wasn't going to be really one elite guy. And that's been the case, you know, Valdez Scantling three for 111 Kelsey six for 98. Miko Hardman had three touchdowns, two on the ground and one in the air. You know, this is a team that has gotten more explosive somehow without Tyree Kill because of their ability to spread around to a bunch of guys that are good and not just one elite talent. And, you know, going forward, would I rely on Juju as like this wide receiver one top 10 receiver? No, but he's going to get you points. He might have a down week here or there, but he's going to get you points and he's going to be important to your team. And he's very important to this Chiefs team that, look, are they going to have some bad offensive weeks? Yeah. But let's be honest here. Offense is not good this year in the NFL. It's not. Defenses have been really running it this year. And the major offenses that are having success are only the ones that are led by these elite, elite quarterbacks. And even they're having bad weeks. It's been a crazy year. Not, not even halfway there yet. Yeah, it's it's insane. So we're going to follow the same format of our around the NFL stuff that we did last week. So, you know, we had some hot takes. We're going to we're going to talk about those. But Austin, do you want to start there for or around the NFL stuff? Or do you want to pick a different game? Uh, yeah, let, let's start with what we got right. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah, uh, that uh, that that first game, the Washington Commanders defeated the Green Bay Packers. If I had a button right next to me, I'd be hitting it. That and if that button said panic, that's what I want it to be for Green Bay. Because goodness gracious, man, I do not know what is going on. I could not tell you what is going on. 
And I don't know if I will be able to tell you what will be going on the, the rest of the season for the Packers. Like, is I feel like that's all there, that there's left to say. Yeah, I mean, when's the last time? I mean, off the top of your head, at least, Aaron Rodgers lost three straight. It just doesn't happen too often. Uh, it's, yeah, panic. Panic, P-A-N-I-C, panic, <laughs> is what you should do. Um he just has no true – I mean, Lazard is a is a good wide receiver, but it's not Devontae Adams. They just failed to re, reproduce that production that they, they had with him, and it's, it's hurting right now. Rodgers doesn't look all that great. It doesn't look all that bad, but, I mean, both his touchdown passes to Aaron Jones. You want to see some wide receivers catching some of those down the field a little more, and it's just not happening as often as we've seen with Pat. If we pull up the stats from this game and we look at the Packers, Aaron Rodgers was 23 of 35 for 194 yards and two touchdowns. Their leading receiver was Alan Lazard with six receptions for 55 yards and he got hurt. When everybody that was coming out and saying the Packers need to draft a receiver in round one, the Packers need to draft a receiver in round one. Year after year after year. This is the reason why. Because when you lose a guy like Devontae Adams, and like I said it last week, he has a mind meld with him. They had a mind meld. And then you take a project receiver in Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, who... I love his talent, but he evidently is not ready to be an NFL number one wide receiver yet. And you rely on Alan Lazard, who has been inconsistent at best throughout his career. Yeah, I, I don't I don't exactly know what you expect to happen. Not to mention that your offensive line's banged up. Rodgers is getting no younger, and AJ Dillon has turned into a pumpkin. So this is why you don't draft a Jordan Love when you have Aaron Rodgers in the first round. This is why you don't consistently go defense, 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 defense. This is why you take a guy, let's flash back, the Jordan Love year. It's why you draft a guy like Elijah Moore in that first round. That's why this past year you draft a guy like George Pickens over a guy like Christian Watson. You know, these are moves that were very easily avoidable. And yet, they still did them. And quite frankly, I'm going to ask your opinion on this. Do you think Rodgers even comes back after this year? I mean, this team hasn't really shown much care for him, <laughs> it seems like. Just as an outsider looking into the Green Bay organization, and it wouldn't shock me if he just like, all right, screw this. I had my fun, made my money, let's get out of here. I don't think he will do that, but it would not be out of any world of him to do that. And for them, Aaron, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, I mean, exactly, I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a that's exactly it. Quick with a correct comment here. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He, 
he does what he does and exactly what he wants. I, they need, I'm surprised. Are you surprised that they haven't made a move yet trying to get someone salvage this um, or something? Because there's a lot of options out there. I know we'll get into that a little more, but I'm surprised they haven't brought anyone in yet. I want to be surprised, but like, it's like I said, like this has been a consistent yeah, theme. Yeah. This has been a consistent right. theme for them. It's kind of, it's nuts. Man. Who's running this? <laughs> It's 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 the same thing all the time. It's it's honestly insane. Uh, we got a quick fantasy question. Just wanted to bring this up as we talked about it. Own Burrow start two between AJ Brown, Mike Evans, and T Higgins. I just want to ask, what type of league are you in? Uh, <laughs> although I can't, we can't really be saying anything. We have a team with Cooper Cup, uh, Justin Jefferson, and DeAndre Hopkins now. But um, honestly, with Evans being a bit banged up, I probably roll with AJ Brown and T Higgins. For right now, half PPR. Yeah, I, honestly, I, I'm not sure if Mike. I mean, Evan should be good to go, but he did get banged up. He did get a little bit injured, so I'd roll with the two healthy guys at the moment. Yeah, especially we're seeing this Bucks offense kind of struggle. I mean, mostly in the run game, but they're struggling to put up points in general. So I'm also with Brandon. I'd rock with AJ Brown Higgins. Yeah. Um. You know, flashback to Thursday night. Uh, you know, our, our my hot take. My my yeah, my hot take didn't look great. I'll I'll, I'll be real here. Uh, I, I I said that you know Kingsbury is probably going to be the next coach to go. Honestly, I stand by that. I think that he is going to end up getting fired. Uh, obviously, things don't look great, but if the Cardinals don't make the playoffs, and quite frankly, like. They have to overcome the 49ers and the the Seahawks, maybe even the Rams, which may not be as hard as it seemed like beginning of the year. But I I still just I don't I don't like what the Cardinals are doing. They didn't win that game because of their offense. They won because Andy Dalton had one of the worst the ball. <laughs> had one of the worst stretches of quarterback play I've ever seen in my life. Wait, they're like two pick sixes in a matter of minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that that ties in to our the hot take I ended up getting right, and something that you brought up about the Buccaneers. What is going on with Tampa? Because the Panthers fire Matt Rule. Hot take nailed. He's gone. They trade Christian McCaffrey, which we we haven't even we we haven't even yeah, got we into haven't even that. Gotten into that, yeah. But. That's something we can cover when we touch on the 49ers a little bit. <laughs> they go Yeah, I'm never They face Tampa and beat them 21 to 3. What is happening? Uh, I don't know. Um my guess is just the Panthers came out fired up, ready to win this game. I mean, you know, <laughs> when a coach gets fired, I feel like players, a lot of players take it on themselves because as like the reason he got fired and Maybe they just came out on all cylinders today and won this football game, but the Bucs just do not look great. Uh, it's another team kind of like the Packers where you're starting to worry, starting to panic a little bit. Uh, a little lighter division in the NFC South, so kind of gives them a better chance to still win some games and get back in the first place, but definitely a little worried. I mean, the, the, the NFC South, right? Is this the worst division in football? You got the Bucks at three and four, tied with the Falcons for first place, and then you got the Panthers 
and the Saints, who are both each a game out of first. Uh, it's incredible. It's honestly yeah. incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Or like, 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 <laughs> like let's, let's be honest, compare this to, let's say, the AFC East. We got the Bills and Jets at 5-1 and one and 5-2 and two apiece. Dolphins at 4-3 and three and the Patriots at 3-4. and four. The Patriots would be in first place in that division. Other divisions around football. Colts would be in first place, most likely, in that division. The Commanders would be in first place in that division. The Cardinals. The Bears. Like, like what? Seriously, what is happening? I I truly do not understand what is happening. Um. Well, they have the exact same amount of points for as points against on the season, so that's that's something. Uh, yeah, I think they but, just got to find find the end zone more. I mean, as easy as that sounds to say, but <laughs> that ties into it. Their defense, have to. their defense has regressed. That is true as well. It's. It's weird. Uh, I said before, this is one of the craziest years of football we've seen, in my opinion. And it, I think it's just only going to keep spiraling out of control. And that's the best part of it. The last two major things I want to touch on, uh, NFL-wise, have to do with some the, the losing teams in these matchups. So, number one, I, I think – this might. This is not a hot take just yet, but it's going to be simmering, and I want to see what happens over the next few weeks. I think Dan Campbell and his staff could be in trouble in Detroit. And I could be wrong, but, you know, despite everyone loving Campbell, you got to win games in the NFL. Flash you back to week one where, you know, the Jets got the the – the brakes beat off in them by Baltimore. Everyone was ready to talk about how if this keeps happening, are the Jets going to fire Robert Sala? And the Jets and Lions are in two very different situations, but at the same time, they are on that same path. Both these coaching staffs were hired at the same point in time. You need to see wins sooner rather than later. And being a someone that has watched a team that is cratered multiple times year after year. If you're having multiple seasons where you're going three and 14, two and 10 to two and 15, you know, these types of records where you're not winning games, it doesn't matter how charismatic you are. Unfortunately, how good of a quote on coach coach you are. If you don't win games, you're going to lose your job. It's a result-oriented business for better and for worse. And looking at this past week, Cowboys beat them 26 or 24 to 6. You know, Dak threw for 270 yards and a touchdown. Jared Goff, two picks, no touchdowns. The running game wasn't really there. You know, the Lions did have hurt weapons, but at the end of the day, excuses do become excuses. And this is really my hot take for the longer half of the year. I have the Kingsbury one in the next four weeks. I think the Campbell one could happen by the end of the season if the Lions don't start getting results. And I'm not 100% sold on that. But it's just like, you know, when you are the sole worst team in football, and if we look at the standings, once again, the only teams that are even close to them – at the moment, 
are the Saints, the Panthers. Austin, you're not going to like the next team, I say. The Steelers, <laughs> the Browns, and the Texans. The Texans only have a better record because they have the tie. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to add on to that with another coach because I am sick of the Denver Broncos. Uh, I thought you were going to say Colts because we got we got uh, Z-Money. Him too. Let's just keep at it. <laughs> we got Z-Money in the chat. Uh, why does Pittman Jr. bring so much pain? I really don't know. I expect them to have a great year this year. I don't understand where the inconsistencies have come, and maybe that ties in the Matt Ryan more than – some will be letting on, although he's had the Joe Flacco type where he's just throwing the ball 50 times per week. So, it's yeah, I, I don't know. season, baby. Ellinger's going to save Pittman Z money. Trust. But uh, getting back to what I was saying, I am sick of watching the Broncos play football. It's just like, what are they doing? Uh, we've said it every week, this Jets defense is getting better and better, especially the secondary and they come out with Ripian and throw 46 times. I, It's just mind-blowing. It's been bad coaching after bad coaching after bad coaching. So my hot take I want to add on to yours, Nathaniel Hackett, get him out of here. Long gone. See. So are, you're you're on the same page with that one? So I have I have Campbell, you have you have Hackett for the I'm end of the year? Hackett, yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> uh, Cam, yeah, Cam, uh, we, we got – your question? Yeah, just uh, just send it in the chat whenever whenever you Throw want. It in. We'll answer uh, anything. And my my last NFL specific hot uh, take from this past week, and I this this might get an illicit reaction. I, I'm not sure. The Patriots are going to ruin Mac Jones if he hasn't been ruined already. I'm sorry, and. This gonna this might sound like oh like you're not open to change, you can't run a two quarterback system in the NFL. I'm sorry, like it, it just it doesn't work. And for a guy that you anointed as the starter, for a guy that you had as your first round pick to bench him on prime time against the Bears, and look, his final stat line. He was three of six for 13 yards and an interception. He had two drops. Exactly. (laughs) Two drops. And I understand Zappi threw two touchdowns. The guys were wide open. He then turned back into a pumpkin and had two picks. So now when you go back to start Mac, whose confidence is probably shot because, let's be real, quarterback is the most confidence-driven position in all of sports. If not just football, how – and look, I'm not trying to be a homer or anything like this here. How do you expect to just now throw Mac Jones back in the fire in a, let's face it, hostile MetLife environment? That is a sentence I never thought I'd say in my life. <laughs> For a team that is having their best season in about five or six years – with an opportunity to beat the Patriots for the first time in five or six years after they got beaten by 40 plus points last year. What you're going to, you're going to kill him. You're going to ruin his career. So what are you going to do? Yank Mac at the, 
at the first sign of danger and put Zappy in in that same situation? It's just like, look, for all of Belichick's greatness, him handing this offense to Patricia and Joe Judge, it's just like, it's just, it gives me a, gives me a headache. It's just it's so <laughs> bad. Yeah, I know. At the start of, at the start of last night's game, uh, I mean, Justin Fields looked pretty good. And then Mac Jones, like, hit his first, like, few passes. And I was like, all right, I'm coming on tomorrow. I'm talking about at least one of these quarterbacks. And then it kind of all just fell apart right after that. Uh, I don't get what Belichick's doing there. Uh, and then he won't even come out and clearly say if Mac Jones was hurt or not. His interview, his press conference today was very confusing, a bunch of mixed words and not really a clear answer. And like you said, it's just, it just crushes the quarterback's confidence, getting pulled for the backup. And then he took it like a professional, though. He was on the sidelines ready, high-fiving after the first touchdown pass. I mean, he did what he had to do as a backup, but just a bad move in my opinion. Yeah, I, I saw the uh, Supreme Dreams, uh, what do you call it, um, the video about that, how the backup, <laughs> how the uh, the quarterback reacts when the backup starts doing well. I, I, yeah. I found that very funny. It was so funny. And the minute I watched that video, everything went downhill. But uh, before we move on to baseball and wrap up our NFL discussion, I want to remind you guys that all campus is giving 20% off everything in their store, including hats, shirts, do all – they're subscribers. So make sure to get in on that. Like, subscribe, share with your friends. Get them involved. You know, we're having fun over here. So it's we're, we're having a blast. We're, we're going to keep having a blast. So make sure to spread the word about it. Also, Creative Window Design Center is serving New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Florida. We're a fully authorized Hunter Douglas dealer. Contact Jeff at 609-226-03914 for a free consultation. All right, so that brings us, before we move on to anything, uh, we got Cameron in the chat. So he says, in a 16-team full PPR league, first off, 16 teams, that is that is something. Current running backs are CMC, Saquon, Kareem Hunt, Hines, Madison, and was stashing Elijah Mitchell. Since CMC's trade, it looks like I've got three handcuffed running backs on my roster. Is Elijah Mitchell even worth hanging on to now? Most of my starters are on bye week nine. I have to fire up Hines and Madison RB1 and 2. I'm sure a wide receiver 2 and flex spot as well. I got to, I got claims open to drop Mitchell and a second defense I picked up for week 8. Current pending claims are, and this continues, Raiders defense, Raiders defense drop, pick up Robbie Anderson. That's his first one. DeAndre Carter. KJ Osborne, Olamade Zacchaeus. I actually nailed that. Awesome. Drop Elijah Mitchell, add Pacheco, DeAndre Carter, KJ Osborne, and Zacchaeus. That is a lot. Uh, you, you were not wrong when you said you had a lot. Um, I mean, I, I guess with the whole Mitchell situation, it's so tough because, you know, McCaffrey obviously has – the injury history and all of that. But it's like, even if he went down, does Jeff Wilson stay involved? Does Mitchell take back over the role if McCaffrey got hurt? You know, I, I guess I'd say, especially in your case, Cam, 
I would get rid of Mitchell only if I knew I was getting value that I feel like is better than his. You know, I've been in that spot where I have the handcuff, I have a stash, but if I see a guy on the waiver wire where I'm like, hey, I can get better production right now because I need it, then I'd go for that. But if you're, you know, iffy on whether you can hang on to a guy and, you know, essentially, like, if you feel like you're not getting enough production from the waiver wire over Mitchell, keep Mitchell. If you're going to get more production from the waiver wire over Mitchell, cut, cut him. So looking at these waiver claims, love the Robbie Anderson pickup. think that one's going to be underrated. KJ Osborne, especially in a 16-team league, I mean, I don't know how much better you're doing with that. The fact that you still have Pacheco available, I'd get on that in that 16-team league. Him being named the starter means he's going to be involved in Kansas City. So I I, I like all those pickups. Uh, we got Wick in the chat saying if Bill Belichick wasn't coaching, I don't know what that guy would do. Yeah, that's a fun question. Uh, <laughs> we, we can we can have a bit of a discussion on that one later. Uh, you know, probably something in a back black back dark office somewhere, just mulling over paperwork and being a hermit crab. <laughs> Evil plant. Evil plants, exactly. Uh, John Doe in a ten-team family creative friendly competitive league through ESPN. That is a mouthful. Good lord. Now that Najoku is out for a while, who do you have as a tight end backup? Hurst, Hurst, Dolchik, Hurst, Schultz, and Ingram. I'm going with Greg Dolchik, Dolchik. I can't say that name. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, he's gotten his snap percentage has gone up each week. He's involved in the offense. He had the second most targets on the team, tied with Cortland Sutton last week. You know, this is a guy that Denver loves. They, they're they making Albert O a healthy scratch. He's not involved with the offense anymore. So that's a guy I would probably target. And, yeah, that, that's that's kind of my thinking. I picked him up in a personal league. You know, I, I, I really like the opportunity he has capitalized on that because, you know, tight end's a tough position. Like, there's not always a lot of points there. Uh, he said he went 4-0 and and is now – four and three props to Tom Brady and the 49ers special teams screwing me over this week. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I frankly, I can't blame you with the Tom Brady start. I would have never expected him to, you know, not perform against uh, Carolina had a few different choice of words there that I could have said. And I refrained. I'm proud of myself. Uh, Yeah. So, QB's just a tough position this year. Yeah, you 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 know that more than anyone. <laughs> yeah, so before exactly. before we move on, is there anything any last words you want to touch on with football, NFL stuff? Uh mm. before we move on to baseball, because we got we got a lot of baseball to talk about. Uh I think we should just get right into it. Uh, it was a good weekend of football and I'm excited for what's to come. Big trade deadline coming up uh next week. So I'm sure we'll get into that next Next time we're on the show. Yeah, exactly. Baseball. Uh, the New York Yankees got bounced in four games. And I um, for, all, for any of my Yankees fr- friends out there that are listening, that have listened, uh, I was very tempted to send the, uh, the New York, New York song in, in our group chat. And uh, what do you call it? 
start just, you know, torturing you guys because you guys couldn't beat the Astros for one game. You know, New York Yankees, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a reference. Love, love that guy. He, he, he makes some great content. Shout but, out um, James Strauss. Yeah. Look, in all seriousness, though, it's a failure. It's a failure of a season, just like the Mets. And, you know, everyone gave the Mets crap for how far they got. The Yankees, you know, the same thing happened to the Yankees. You know, it's something that I you want to put in the words where it's like, oh, you know, maybe like they had a bit of a successful season and, you know, Aaron Judge broke the home run record. You know, but this is a Yankees team that everyone – their fans are like, oh, 20, 27 rings. All we care about is championships. Well, if all you care about is championships, another failure because you couldn't get back. You couldn't get past Houston, and you did worse this year than you did last year. Austin, seeing where the Yankees are, you know, where do you think it went wrong this series? Yeah, this series, they just didn't get beat. They just got they got owned. Uh Astros just own them every year. Where they went wrong is they just couldn't hit the ball. I mean, even when they were up 3 nothing in that last game, were you still really confident that the Yankees were winning it? Probably not because the Astros are just that much better, and it showed. Uh, I think right now I think there has to be a scapegoat between Boone or Cashman. I think Girardi, when he was coaching this team, he made it farther against the Astros than Boone did right now. You know, as for a successful season, not really. You did all that winning, broke all those records just to get swept in the ALCS. I think Yankees fans would have been 10 times happier if they even just won one game here. But just getting swept, it just looks terrible. And you just got destroyed all series. Yeah, and for you guys leaving uh, fantasy comments in the chat, we'll get to them in a little bit. So keep firing them in there. We're, uh, we're on baseball at the moment, and we will absolutely touch on all your guys' questions, comments in, uh, in a little bit. But, yeah, like, if the Yankees won one game, I feel like the conversations may be a bit different. You know, oh, we won a game, we took a game, maybe we could have flipped the series. But getting swept is just something that, you know, you don't expect that in the ALCS. You don't expect that this late in the postseason. Look. I came out here last week on the show and said Astros in seven. I thought the Yankees were going to put up a fight. I thought their lineup was going to produce. You know, I thought the I thought the Guardians and Astros staffs were on par, but I didn't think that, you know, in game seven – or not game seven, game four, the Yankees <laughs> were going to be getting one hit for the majority of it. It's just like – this Strikeouts after strikeouts. Wholesale changes need to be made. And quite honestly, I feel like, look, I know everyone wants a scapegoat. Boom, boom, boom. I think Cashman should go first. I truly do. I feel like Boone really doesn't have autonomy over a lot of his decisions. I feel like he's a guy that isn't really, you know, fully, quote, unquote, in charge of all the lineups. And we're never going to know. Because in baseball, especially the modern age of baseball, you really don't know what input the manager has, what what input the analytics staff has, 
X, Y, Z. It's all over the place. And I feel like the most important thing, especially with that, is, look, could he have made some better decisions in terms of pitching? When the pull guys, when the put guys in? Absolutely. And I'm not saying Boone is remiss of blame. But at the end of the day, he's not the one building the roster. He's not the one that is in charge of going out and getting the certain guys. That is in charge of paying certain players. Let's not forget that the Yankees could have gone after Carlos Correa. They could have gone after Corey Seager. They could have gone after all these big-name shortstops. Austin, what did they settle with at shortstop this season? Uh, Peraza? (laughs) No. IKF. That dude tanked. Him too. (laughs) Multiple games for them this season. Especially down the stretch. They, you go, look, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This is a, It was a Mets-type move. You went basement hunting for shortstop. You can't do that. It's one of the most important positions in baseball. Yeah. Uh, Nonetheless, not the for a guy whose main position isn't even shortstop. Yeah, no, that makes it worse. If you're going to do that, do it at second base. Uh, but just these guys – like who they have so much money tied up in, especially Josh Donaldson, just not to show up at the plate this series at all. Just hurts to see if you're a Yankees fan. And I think what hurts the most is seeing Judge make the final out <laughs> to end the sweep. I mean, it just recaps, it closes the story to the season. Just it's such a heartbreaking fashion. And I think for anyone that's not a Yankees fan, you kind of enjoy to see it if it was anyone else but the Astros. Honestly, man, I'm I'm beyond the point of caring about Astros. Like, look, it was 2017. Guess what? They cheated. They did well. They stopped cheating. And they're still going back to the ALCS and World Series every year. Look, it's not going to get – this week. It, it's, it's not going to get a good reaction. I, we got to get over it, guys. We got to get over the, the cheating. It's been years. They're still dominating. They're just a good organization, unfortunately. It's just facts at this point. Yeah, and no, I said it last week that this was the Yankees' turn to, like, just put that all away and prove, like, oh, they beat you because they were cheating. And they just handed the four wins right over right over the Astros and let them beat them up all week long. Yeah, and I feel like that's enough talking about, you know, this series. Going forward. You know, we touched on Boone. We touched on Cashman. You know, obviously, if Cashman's gone, that completely changes how the teams run, how the organization functions. You know, Cashman's been here since, you know, before we were even born. So, I think what the Yankees offseason, you know, at the moment boils down to part one, part two, and part three at the moment, Aaron Judge. The one side of me is like, the Yankees cannot let him leave. This is my rational thinking side. The Yankees cannot let him leave. He is too important to this organization as a player, as an icon, as a face to let him walk. The realistic side and looking at, you know, 
the the deal he turned down, the fact that they couldn't come to the extension. And now these reports that are coming out that, hey, you know, the Dodgers want to go after Aaron Judge and move Mookie Betts to second base. That almost that almost gave me a heart attack when I read that. The Giants are going to not be outbid on Judge. And then looking at the Yankees' past history, the realistic side tells me, I don't think he's going to go back. And I want to... I want someone to be like, no, the Yankees are going to finally drop the hammer money-wise, just like they did with Garrett Cole. Are we certain? Are we certain that Judge is even going to go back there? It, you know, Judge is more I mean, of a West Coast guy, right? Is he going to want to be on the West Coast? Like, like who knows? Yeah, I mean, only he knows. But just after talking to a bunch of Yankees fans, they want him back. And everyone knows that Judge is going to be a jersey that's going to be walking around Yankee Stadium no matter what he's there or not. Uh, he's he's made himself into a legend in this franchise history, and we've seen him retire so many numbers. God knows if he leaves this year, he could still get the 99 retired, which is why like he's just such a legend already just off this one season at least. And then going back the past few years, uh, you're still going to see his number around. And I think – they should definitely sign him. It's just, does he want to go back there? Yeah, and if he doesn't go back, guess what? Yankees offseason, now you, now you not only have to improve your roster beyond what it was, you also have to replace 60, what, 63 home runs in a lineup? Somehow. With with Rizzo on a player option, too. It's crazy. Wait. So, like, all intents and purposes, let's say Judge stays, which, you know mm-hmm. – very realistic. Yankees need a, I mean, could you say shortstop and then move Peraz to the second base? Maybe. Do you want to block Volpe with a certain guy? I, who knows? I personally would go after Carlos Correa for third base. I feel like he is a gagging, when I say this, very ideal Yankee. Do the Yankees go after him because of his role in 2017, if that stops them, I, I disagree with that heavily. I think Trey Turner could be a very good pickup for them. And, you know, I think they need to add to the back half of their rotation and bullpen. And then I think the Yankees are going to be in a good spot once again. You know, this is a very good roster. They just need to not rely so much on power, 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 because it hasn't got them far. It's gotten them bounced every single year. Yeah, it's uh, pretty interesting when you try and like formulate a lineup in their head, in your head next year, and what they should do because they have so much. I feel like to do. Uh, bring Judge back is obviously the main thing. And do you go get the shortstop or do you not go get the shortstop? I feel like that's like the main piece of this offseason where they're going to have to decide because they still. I feel like they need to lock down that closer position. I mean, a guy obviously like Edwin Diaz could be available to their disposal. Who knows? Uh, Brandon, I know you wouldn't be too happy about that. And then I think someone they need to get is just anyone who can go play consistent left field. Uh, we saw in the series when I forget who was it Hicks. Hicks went down, I think, and then Stanton had to go play it. He made like one good play, and then one play where it just went over his head, and someone else maybe could have gotten to it. Who knows? But it was like his first game playing there since like July. So you just need someone who can lock down that corner of the outfield. And hit as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, I feel like we're very far out from the offseason to really give, like, a full, like, rundown, breakdown. But, like, the, the Yankees, at the end of the day, they have to make improvements. They have to really improve this roster to a point where they're able to, you know, have a bit more lineup diversity, not just be hit or miss, home run or strikeout. You know, have that guy like Trey Turner to maybe get on base. Develop a guy like Peraza to really be that type of guy as well. And at the end of the day, though, unless the Yankees make some insane move, I really don't see how they're getting past the Astros. I Especially with the fact that there's a decent possibility they lose Aaron Judge. I, I don't see how they're making it back here next year. And look, so many things can change, but at this very juncture, I don't I don't see it happening. Judge to Houston. <laughs> no. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Yankees fans Yankees fans would rage. Yeah, they would. I think they I think they would rage <laughs> if you went to LA either. And that's a realistic possibility. Yeah, my, if he's not on the Yankees, I want to see him in Seattle. But that's all I got on the Yanks. Fair enough. Uh, you you want me to walk out this door while uh, while we go over, uh, you know, baseball? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want, we got we got a big World Series starting this weekend. You're not excited for it? Just 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 go. Just start this Friday night. Philly's heading down to Houston, where this whole playoff thing started uh you know we did what we did versus the Padres I, they came to Philly and they didn't walk out too happy uh most electric place in baseball during the playoffs I mean I don't think any free agent any fan or anything can see that and be like I do not want to be there right like everyone wants to be there I feel like and just going into the series Dashers our scary team. Uh, we got word today. Nolan's going to be pitching game one versus what I assume would be Justin Verlander and Framber Wheeler. Phillies have to do what they've done in each series so far is steal a game on the road. They need to win one of the first two games, bring home one to one for three in Philly. And if they do that, I mean, I think they have a good chance of winning if they can do that. Going down 0 2, I don't know. You can't let the Astros take way too much control in this series because. We've seen what they could do with that. And let's just talk about it. Bryce Harper, he's, to me, the best player in baseball. But that could be super biased. If you went to me in early July, like if the future version of me came to my past version in July and told me, the Phillies are going to be the National League representative in the World Series, I would have looked at you and probably laughed at you until I was blue in the face. But yeah. that's the amazing part of postseason baseball. Like, look, I, we can joke. I can joke about, oh, you know, don't want to talk about the Phillies. And no, honestly, they got hot at the right time. They beat all the people, all the teams that they weren't supposed to. And they did it. And Austin, I don't know if you were that far off with that statement. He's been the best player in this postseason. I can tell you that for a fact. The most clutch no the, and the best. You know, and this, the second most clutch guy is also on his team and Reese Hoskins. So, yeah, as, 
as much Reese as, uh, hate Reese has been getting, even by our own fans, he's getting booed left and right at intros sometimes. Like, he make a bad play in the field. But he's, like, one of our homegrown guys, him and Nola. And just seeing him have this playoff success, just hitting bombs left and right, it's awesome. Yeah, and, I mean, I did, did I did I pick San Diego or, uh, or Philly? Uh, I have it right here. Brandon, you had Padres and seven. I figured. I did have Padres <laughs> and seven. Yeah, that didn't but work out had, so well. Man, I've really I, – You man, had the I, Astros. I, yeah, I'm one for I'm one for like eight or nine. I, <laughs> I, I I've been terrible this postseason for picking them. Crazy playoffs, crazy playoffs. Yeah, and, but but I mean, in all honesty, looking forward it. to that to that World Series matchup. I don't think it's going to be like, oh, the Astros going to run the Phillies off the field. No, I I think this goes six. I I have I'm going to go with Astros and six, but. I do think that the Phillies put up a really good fight. And I think this ends up being a very close series. But the thing is, if you told me the Phillies end up winning this World Series, I would not be surprised. These are two teams that are firing on all cylinders at the right time. They have all the necessary pieces. And I feel like either of these teams can win. I, I think it's I think it's simple as that. Yeah. Like you said, the Phillies got hot at the right time, and that's half of what winning the World Series is because baseball, you just got to see guys getting hot, hitting the ball often, and they just take off. For the Phillies, you cannot let Jose Altuve get hot. <laughs> that is a key factor. He struggled throughout this whole entire postseason. If he starts to heat up, he might be in for one because he kind of got an advantage right now. Jordan has cooled off a little bit in the ALCS. So if you let either of them or both heat up, if you let both of them heat up, then good luck because Bregman's just been on fire too. So I'm excited. Uh, I don't have too much to add because I just get all worked up about it and get crazy. So we're not going to do that today. <laughs> uh, I'm excited though. Prediction. Uh, the Phils are playing the Yankees, which is what I had. I had them in six, but now I'm going to give it to the Phils in seven. All right. So last little thing before we move on to basketball and hockey and then we wrap up our show who is your mvp of the world series and who is your lvp of the world series Um, prediction obviously okay mvp you mentioned his name i think jordan alvarez has himself a series i think he ends up picking it back up i think he is becomes that key middle-of-the-order cog for the Astros once again. LVP of the World Series. I'm going to stick with the zone team. I think Altuve makes things a lot harder on the Astros than they should be. I think he does. I think that if if you're looking for a guy to find his groove again, I don't think facing Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler in the first two games of a, uh, of a series are going to really help you there. So, I do look. I have the Astros in six, but I do think Altuve is going to make things a lot harder for them than they probably should be. Uh, I'll go the other way. Um, I'll give Bryce the MVP uh, of the World Series. He's just been this whole playoffs just cool, calm, collected guys. I mean, he just hasn't been in his nerves. He just show, shows up in his clutch when he has to be. And just hitting the ball really well. And when you get a guy like that just this hot right now, I don't see him stopping. I mean, very good pitching on the other side. 
but also a very good hitter. And LVP, we're going to give it to give it to Sir Anthony. I think he's just going to come in and dominate. Uh, struggled the other night uh, in that clinching game, but hey, it was rainy. We'll throw it behind us. He's been perfect pretty much throughout this whole postseason, and I think he'll bounce back fine and shut down the Ashers in the key situations we need them to. Yeah, those are uh, World Series predictions. So when the Phillies end up winning the World Series, all you all you Philly fans can have me to thank for picking the Astros because I've just been a complete jinx this entire damn postseason. <laughs> thank you, Brandon. I swear. Um, before we move on, uh, I want to remind you guys once again that All Campus is giving 20% off everything in their store, including hats and shirts to all their subscribers. You know what that means? Like, subscribe, share, and get that free merch. Or get that discounted merch. That's a that's what I meant there. <laughs> um, also, Creative Wind Design Center, serving New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Florida. They are a fully authorized Hunter Douglas dealer. So if you're interested, contact Jeff at 609-226-0391 for a free consultation. Before we move on, I'm uh, going to touch on these comments you guys have been leaving. Uh, Cameron mentioned from earlier, uh, mainly to give him a sliver of hope in his week nine. Usual stars are Burrow, CMC, AJ Brown, Amari Cooper, David Njoku, Brandon Ayuk, Eagles defense, and Jason Myers. That is some roster right there, my friend. Um, John Doe asks us, what's it better as a flex option, running back or wide receiver? Um, honestly, I think that really depends on your roster in and of itself. You know, if you have a lot of wide receiver depth, but, you know, you got stud running backs, you know, you got to make that decision. And it's like there's no, like, one set way, like, oh, go running back or, oh, go receiver. But something to keep in mind, half PPR, PPR, if if you're leaning receiver over running back, consider that. And also in those same types of leagues, if it is a pass-catching running back, take that into consideration because you know there's some stat lines in PPR leagues versus non-PPR leagues that are that are a little bit different with some of those guys. Uh Z Money asks, is it time to give up on Darren Waller? I've been starting Higby. My personal opinion with Darren Waller is if you can afford it, as in if you can wait and hold on to him. Wait until he has that big pop-up performance and then sell high on him. So wait on, let's say, a 6-50-1 game from him where he's that number one target and then sell high. Because I think Higby's good enough at a tight end where if you can get a nice running back and some change for Waller or a nice receiver and some change for Waller, I feel like you got to do it. Yeah, uh, Z-Money, you're talking to the guy that still has Kyle Pitts on his team. So, honestly, this year, what is it, like three, four, not even consistent tight ends. We just saw Mark Andrews get pretty much shut out the other day. Hold on to him. I mean, if like Brandon said, if you can, hold on to him. He's going to eventually have that game. It's just bound to happen. He's a talented guy. We've seen it. So, I'm holding. Uh, wouldn't cut him because me and you both know if he gets cut, as soon as someone in your league sees him, he's getting picked up. And 
you would hate yourself for that if that happened and he ends up breaking out or something. Hold on. Uh, I would keep starting Higby for now, but play the matchups maybe, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, and some uh, some I, I, maybe breaking news. I don't know if you want to. What do we got? Like this. Um, according to SNY, Cashman and Boone expected to return to the Yankees. Wow. Right oh, that's that's Yikes. something. That's something. What's your uh, What's your instant reaction to that? Uh, I'm a little surprised, but I'm also not surprised because, I mean, I guess any regular person could have said they're both coming back, but I really thought one of them was going to get a little quick scapegoated for, uh, for this massacre that, that, that occurred. Austin, do you know what the definition of insanity is? The Yankees. Doing the same thing over <laughs> and over again and expecting different results. That's my analysis on this situation. Uh, moving on to the next question. Um, we got Cedric. Who do I start between Kenneth Walker, Hopkins, Lamb, and A.J. Brown? Two, two wide receivers and one flex. Austin, I'll let you take this one first. That's a pretty interesting one. Uh, so two wide receivers and a flex. Uh, we were saying earlier how good Kenneth Walker is going to be and how good he has been. I'm putting him right off the bat into the flex just because I like him so much. And I think Brandon would agree on that. And then with the wide receivers, Hopkins, Lamb, A.J. Brown. I'm going Hopkins and A.J. Brown. We saw Hopkins. He just got like 10 catches the other night. He's Kyler's guy. He's going to be his number one. And the guy that helps this offense become what it could be. Uh, then I'm going to go A.J. Brown for now until C.D. just – fully gets back in a groove with uh, with Dak. And once they start moving again, then maybe I would bring CD back into the lineup. But for now, I'm going Kenneth Walker, Hopkins, A.J. Brown. Leave Lamb on the bench just until they figure it out down there in Dallas. Yeah. Um, personally, I, I'm riding with Walker and probably leaving Lamb on the bench. Uh, love A.J. Brown. This week, I think you can't really go wrong. Yeah, like, like you're you're in such a good spot with this lineup where it's like, you know, I I wish I was able to say, you know, I can sit CD Glam in a line. Like that's you're 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 in such a good spot right now. I'd yeah, love you, to hear what what your record is. Yeah, you can't go wrong. Uh, really, just. Trust your gut. That's your team. You got these guys for a reason. Um, but, yeah, cannot go wrong. Yeah, exactly. And then, Austin, I'll let you take this next one. Uh, Nick says, I'm picking Hubbard up over Foreman and Edwards. Am I crazy? Maybe. <laughs> uh, Hubbard got a little banged up the other day, and we saw Foreman just get more work, and he actually did really well with that work. Uh, and then – I'll toss it over to you, actually, for the Edwards, Edwards side of it since since you have him. I have Foreman. Brandon's got Edmonds. That's, or Edwards, my bad. So I'll be honest. I don't know if you're necessarily crazy because the Carolina backfield, I feel like it's a dice roll, but both guys are going to be involved. 
Gus, you know, he's going to have the backfield hold for, you know, a little bit. And I think he takes it over the entire year. But, you know, you still you still got Kenny Drake. You got J.K. coming back maybe at some point. If he doesn't come back, that changes everything for me. Um, Personally, I'm looking at this, and I probably would value Gus number one, but I, I, I really like Hubbard's opportunity. You know, he looked good against a Tampa defense that is normally pretty good. They're, they're going to rely heavily on the run game. So, no, I, I don't think you're crazy. I, I really don't think you can go wrong with, with either of those guys. Yeah, all three pretty much kind of up in the air at the moment. Just have to see what happens going forward. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it is now time to move on to hockey and basketball. You know, just disclaimer, as the as the show goes on, as we progress throughout the year, basketball and hockey are going to be up further in the show. Baseball will probably be more towards the back with the offseason type stuff. You know, and hockey and basketball are just getting started such long seasons where you can't really get a grip on the full impact of what these teams are doing just yet. So don't worry. We're going to have a lot more hockey and basketball talk coming up. That isn't just going to be at the end of the end of the shows. Yeah. Early into the year season just started slowly going to grow and we're going to learn more about these teams as it goes on. Exactly. So who should also, we, who we start with? Do you want to start with Islanders or Rangers? Um, Start with the Rangers. Sounds good. Why, why don't you kick us off? Uh, let's do it. Uh, the Rangers so far started the season 3-2-1. and one. Uh, Their offense has kind of started to struggle a little bit in the past two games. Nothing to be really too worried about at all. Uh, I would say some struggling or a little weak goalie play, um, especially from, from Halleck uh, last night, 21 shots against them. Five goals let in, just not a very great night versus a team that Rangers fans are probably going into this one thinking that they're going to beat pretty handily. And then the other night versus Sharks in overtime, uh, just again, only scoring two goals on the Sharks, giving them their first win of the year, just not something you love to see. Definitely not worried at all uh, tomorrow night or tonight, actually. Uh, Big, big test to play the Avs. If they can win this one, it's going to be a big boost because your offense is going to have to score because the abs can score with anyone. So your offense is going to have to show up and Igor, I assume will be in net with the off days. So he's going to have to show up as well. There's going to be a lot of shots on both sides. It's going to be actually a great game. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, honestly, it should be, it should be a pretty fun game to watch. It is, you know, it's a matchup between two very good teams and no, I I would not be worried about, the Rangers just yet, but this is something that, you know, I, I brought up last week, their, their defense. The defense is something that's been a little bit concerning, you know, letting up the letting up the amount of shots on that that they have. But you, you got to hope that, especially with going forward, that the Rangers' offense is able to elevate and that things eventually even out. So, no, I wouldn't be concerned. They've played a total of five games. Still a very, very, very long season to go. And as we get to the Islanders, as we move on, more of the same with that. You know, I feel like you're going to get a really good read of things after 20 games. 
you know, where the team's at after that, maybe a little bit even after 10, but with, with only five under the belt, it's just, it's so hard to tell. 77 to go to be exact. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> no. both these teams, they play each other tomorrow night. So that's pretty interesting. We can get a good look at both of them at the same time, which makes things easier for everyone. Uh, I think it would be a good matchup. It's one that you probably think the Rangers come out on top. But, hey, any night, anything can happen. That's how hockey works. Good sport. Yeah, and, I mean, looking at looking at their past results, um, they beat the Sharks, but then they proceeded to lose three straight to the Devils, the Lightning, and the Panthers. You know, just from an early onset, seems like they're losing to the bet, bit of the better teams outside the Devils. Not sure what happened there, but, you know, hockey is a very interesting sport in that regard. And then, um, you know, I feel like the Rangers game will be another another good test for them to see where the Islanders are at after having a, a down year last year and if they can continue to progress to being back on that, you know, upward trajectory towards the postseason. I'll, uh, I'll tell you what happened in that Devils game. They got outshot 42 42- to 17 and when that happens you you ain't winning many games <laughs> no you're not no you're not so we'll see them improve though like you said need about 10 20 games to actually give a real evaluation of some of these teams so we'll see we'll keep you guys updated as we go forward into the season exactly you want to move on the basketball now let's get it on all right so the New York Knicks having a you know pretty pretty good start to the year, I, I if I do say so. Uh, they lost their first game to the Memphis Grizzlies, a depleted Memphis Grizzlies team, by a score of as we pull up the scores here, by a score one fifteen one twelve. They lost in overtime. They then proceeded to uh, in more or less terms, beat the brakes off the Pistons by a score of 130 and 106, then won by a score of 115 to 102. They play the Charlotte Hornets tomorrow night, which is honestly a very, very, very important game for them because if we look at their schedule, the Knicks in consecutive games then play the Bucks, the Cavs, the Hawks, the Sixers, the Celtics, the Timberwolves, and the Nets. So, to start it off here, you know, these are – the next game is so important because you're going on a stretch that will prove whether at this point in the year you are ready to compete in the East or you're still far away from competing in the East. Because those are the upper echelon teams. Those are the teams you're chasing. Those are the teams that will be in the playoffs, most likely. Sixers – not sure what's going on there. It's still early, though. <laughs> and like I said with the Sixers, you know, it's early in the season. It's, you know, it's very early to give a complete, like, justification, assertion on what the Knicks are, how their players are. But the one guy that stood out to me a lot has been Cam Reddish. He's been a guy that has really picked it up off the bench, you know, in the Pistons game. He ended up having nine. He ended up having six points for four rebounds. In the Grizzlies game, he had a clutch three. 
you know, he's doing a lot with his minutes. He's doing a lot of good things coming off the bench. And he could potentially be playing himself into a nice bit of an extension. That's not to mention guys like Obi Toppin, Hardenstein, who was a nice signing for them in the offseason. RJ starting to pick it back up, you know. These are pieces that are starting to play better as the year goes on because, you know, some guys just got to shake off the rust. It's You can't always expect guys to hit the ground running right away. Yeah, no, take some time, just like with hockey. It's such a long season. We're going to have such a better evaluation as we get more games in, see more stuff that goes on. And, yeah, going back to the schedule that's coming up, this game is pretty big. You have to win this one. I feel like just going into this uh, gauntlet on a on a high note, playing some really good teams, like you said, the teams that you're chasing. And, yeah, you're going to probably pick up win two or three of those games maybe, but you need to win tonight first to set it off. Yeah, and also it's incredible what you can do when you have a point guard. You know, yeah, I, definitely, I, I definitely helpful. I, I know everyone ripped. Oh, okay, they gave Javon Brunson over a hundred million. Look at the difference it's made having an actual point guard with the starting unit instead of Alec Burks. You know, it <laughs> opens things up for Randall, Mitchell Robinson. Like, it is so important in basketball, especially the modern age of basketball, to have a point guard, and that's something the Knicks, quite frankly, have avoided since basically the time I was born. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and Brunson, he's open to four, he runs to four well. And someone that I think can learn a lot from that's quickly, uh, who we've seen in the past few years just play good point guard as well. And he's getting, he's tacking his assist numbers every game, just keeps getting better and better. So they're going to continue to grow and get better as the year goes. Exactly. And you want to, you want to start us off real quick with the uh, Brooklyn Nets conversation? Oh, I would love to. There's one guy on this team who has 17 points and 14 fouls. He's also fouled out in two out of three games. Can you tell me who that is, Brandon? Is his are his initials BS? That that's the one. <laughs> uh, I mean, this guy, he just hasn't played that good. Uh, I think one of the questions I had for this Nets team last week is just how they're going to fit him into this role and how three of the all three of those guys are going to play together. Look, we've seen KD and Kyrie. They, they're fine. They're who they are. They keep playing fine. Simmons, I don't know, man. It just got to – I don't know. I don't know what to say about him because we're just seeing him and Claxton on the floor together, it just will not work. <laughs> Uh, Steve Nash going to have to figure that one out together. And Wick is picking his nose like crazy. Am I crazy? <laughs> but, yeah, Nets, I mean, they'll figure it out, I guess. But Ben Simmons does not look that great. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Nets don't exactly have, like, a great schedule. It's not a terrible schedule, but it's like, when you're getting beat 130-108 by the, the Pelicans and, you know, you're losing an OT to the, the Grizzlies who are, like I said, are are depleted. You know, this is a team with the Nets where the clock's ticking. You know, let's not forget Kevin Durant did request a trade. You know, Kyrie Irving was a, a little bit away from requesting a trade. Like, this is not a team that is like – 
rock solid right now. It's not like like clamped up. So it's going to be interesting to see how this team develops. I personally said last week that, you know, I expect this team to make the playoffs, but you got to see more out of them. You got to see more out of this team that has this superstar talent. You got to see more out of Ben Simmons. Got to, I'll tell you that much. You know, he's supposed to be that that third guy for them. You can't have him fouling out of every game. It's just not – it's not conducive. And it's so important to be on the floor and be playing because he hasn't played in so long. You know, ties back to, like, football. You know, perfect example, Le'Veon Bell. And I know it wasn't for the same reasons and all of that, but the guy missed an entire year of football. And quite frankly, when he came back, he was never the same. You know, Simmons missed an entire year of basketball. The margin of error in professional sports, especially the NBA, is minuscule. Minuscule. So when you miss an entire year and you try to get back up to speed, it's going to take you a little bit. And quite frankly, that's something the Nets can't afford right now. Yeah, and something else, Simmons, I mean, at least when he was on the Sixers, we saw, like, a lot of his greatness coming from, like, assists and his defense, of course. But just specifically on the assist, there's not going to be many times where he's going to be, I feel like, controlling this offense. You have Kyrie Irving, who's arguably one of the best point guards of all time, at least with the ball in his hands. Uh, Simmons, without the ball, he's just out there, running up and down the court, not doing much, so – We'll have to see how that all works out. You'd think Steve Nash has a plan, but clearly whatever he had planned at first <laughs> hasn't worked out too well. Move on to plan B. What is he cooking? No. <laughs> <laughs> whatever Russ is. They're in the same cooking class. Oh man. Do you wanna do you wanna to touch on the Lakers for a minute? Let's get into it. Start us off. <laughs> Yeah, uh, whoever's idea in that organization that thought they would not have to surround LeBron James with shooting, yeah, I, I don't know what to tell you, to be to be completely honest. Um, we look at their season so far. They've lost every single game. They lost to the Trailblazers. And honestly – Unless they start making a move or two, I don't see how things get better. You know, I'm not going to be the guy to disparage AD, to disparage LeBron. These are two of the best guys in the league still. They're insanely talented. But let's be honest here. LeBron James is, what, 37 years old? I I think he is still a top 15, if not top 10 player in the league. You cannot expect him to carry an entire roster on his back anymore. And that's not a discredit to him. But when the roster is as, let's face it, bad as it is, I, I don't I don't know what else there is to do. And that's an indictment on the Lakers. That's an indictment on the roster building. You know? It's just it's not it's not looking good. It's not looking good. Yeah, uh, just Russ on this team. It just it just does not work at all. Uh, yeah, Wick, you're exactly right. It is like watching a retirement home because they're not playing good basketball at all, at least when, like, it's just not in LeBron's hands. Like, I don't know if you saw it the other night. It was, like, 30 seconds left in the game. 
and Rush just took a mid-range jumper that absolutely bricked and AD and and uh, LeBron are just like, dude, what are you doing? Like, I don't know what the what the heck is going on over there in LA, but they better figure it out fast or it's just slowly going to crumble away. Yeah, so that wraps up our NBA talk, and that brings us to the last segment of the show, you know, the look ahead slash hot take. So we, uh, we, we touched on a few in the beginning of the show. I specifically mentioned that if the Lions continue the way they are, I think Dan Campbell is gone at the end of the year. Austin, at the beginning of the show, said that if the – Broncos continue the way that they are, that Hackett will be gone at the end of the year. So to wrap up our show, Austin, you got any thoughts on the week coming up and any takes that you're expecting to see? I do. Uh, I've done a similar take once in the past, and it turned out to be true. The last time the Eagles started off 6-0, they suffered their first loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers and rookie quarterback QB Ben Roethlisberger. This week, Pittsburgh Steelers head into Philadelphia, into the lane. The Pittsburgh Steelers and Kenny Pickett, rookie quarterback, will give the Eagles their first loss in their own home this week. Score, don't ask me, but the Steelers <laughs> will come out on top. And to make add on to it, I don't think the Steelers have won into, went into the link and won since like the 60s. But, hey, it's 2022. This is the year it's happened. Kenny Pickett beats the Eagles, gives them their first loss. Didn't you predict them to win last week? I predicted them to beat the Bucks. Never mind. You got that one. Okay. And they, they beat the Bucks. All right. Um, Looking at the, you know, the, the teams that are struggling at the moment, um, I think that the Chargers offensive coordinator gets uh, gets fired by midseason. And I know I know we're approaching that mark soon, but if the Chargers offense continues to play that the way they are, you know, Herbert not throwing the ball down the field, lack of weapons, not like the run game not working. I, I think the Chargers offensive coordinator is not long for his job. Not going to go as far as saying Brandon Staley's job is in danger just yet, but could could happen over the course. You know, I got my Kingsbury one. I got my um my my rule one that I I got right. Got my Dan Campbell one. So this Joe Lombardi one that is the offensive coordinator for the Chargers. That is the next one that I am hitching my wagon to, so to say. I like it. Um, my second one, this one may not be seen as very hot at the moment, but the Portland Trailblazers are 4-0, and they lead the Western Conference. I think they stay up there. I think the Portland Trailblazers end the year as a top three seed in the West. Something many people, if not any people, had <laughs> their thoughts on before this year started. Uh, it's game time. This is his year. Show what's up. I mean, that's that that's scorching at the moment. Um, <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't well, just because they're four now. 
I mean, it could have been more surprising. You said, you know, the Spurs and Jazz who were each three and one in their own right. <laughs> yeah. Could have made it crazy. Yeah. Um, my uh my next hot take, and this is a basketball one. The Philadelphia 76ers fire Doc Rivers at some point during this season. It is Too not much. looked great so far. The uh, if we pull up the NBA standings, the Sixers are currently the fourth worst team in the entire Eastern Conference. Um, that's frankly unacceptable for a team that has Joel Embiid and James Harden on it, among the other various talented players. Yeah, that it just it can't happen. I, I I'm not giving you a range of when. He's going to get fired, but if it continues for much longer like this, Doc Rivers is not long for his job. Hopefully they can learn something from the Phils. It worked out pretty well for them. Yeah, maybe, maybe it worked for both of them. Who knows? I'm, I'm pretty empty on hot, hot takes at the moment. I can't lie. So let's, let's take a question. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll wrap up the show with, uh, with one last one, and then we'll answer some questions and head on out. My hot take is that another football one. We mentioned this a little earlier in the show. This is my third football one of the day. Aaron Rodgers retires at the end of the year. Point blank. I don't think he's long for Green Bay. I think that he sees the writing on the wall, and I think that he – has a lackluster swan song to his career. What does he do after? He just go away? And that is a question I do not have the answer to, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> so fair enough. we got three minutes left in the show. We'll uh, answer some of your guys' questions. Um, okay. Should I trade Chase Bateman and Damian Pierce for Cook, Debo, and Amari Cooper? The answer to that question is no. Austin, are you in agreement with that? <laughs> yeah, no. Nah, Debo's banged up. Dalvin, as an owner myself, don't do it, man. <laughs> it's, it gets pretty aggravating. And, I mean, Mari Cooper's not a bad piece, but I definitely like Jamar Chase, as we just saw this weekend. Uh, Wick, who would replace the Rivers? Um, are you talking – in season, uh, I'm not – too familiar with who's on the Sixers bench at the moment. I feel like it would be an interim on the bench and then going forward. Uh, Mike D'Antoni? Uh, no, I, I don't know. I'm kidding with oh, that God, one. Man. I'm kidding with that hey. one. Don't worry. Don't worry. Um, the Houston Rockets. <laughs> yeah, I no, quite quite frankly, I'm not I'm not entirely sure on the candidates that would be available. Uh, maybe I'd look to potentially Jay Wright. I know he retired from Nova. Maybe you can get him to come out of retirement and look at the Sixers job. Don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. And then last comment of the day, Rogers will start a podcast. You know, that's the answer I was looking for. That's a, that's an absolute guarantee for, uh, for Pretty Aaron sure. Rodgers post football career when he retires after this season. But that brings, us, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Save That Never Sleep show. Thank you guys for joining us on this fun, wild, crazy ride 
or my co-host sounded like a robot for the first third of the show. Then he got his voice back. We love to see it. Uh, we will not be here next week, uh, taking a bit of a break. And then we will be back in two weeks. So stay tuned. And we will be back in two weeks to give you guys all the latest in New York sports. Peace.